Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the bi-monthly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. I'm Eli. And we have a special guest today who came all the way to the booth to ask their question of the week. So we're going to jump right in. Ma'am, if you could take it away for us. What is your favorite book? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) It's Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's the best question we've ever been asked. I think so. So that, that this celebrity who came, who took a huge chunk out of her very busy schedule to come down to the booth is none other than Aaliyah Grace Wesley, who asked us our best question so far. <laughs> what is your favorite book? So gents. Oh, what's yours? Do you have yours with us, with you? Can you show it? Tell us. Jesus. Jesus. He is the word made flesh. What book is this? About Jesus. Uh-huh. Do you remember what the book is called? Yeah. What is it called? It's Aaliyah's... Aaliyah's book. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just told you. Is it Aaliyah's Bible? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Very good. So Aaliyah's Bible is her favorite book. I feel, I feel pressured to say my Bible is my favorite, <laughs> but I'll throw to you guys first and let you, uh, you know, blaspheme away before I go. <laughs> what, what is your favorite book? So I'll do a serious one and then I'll do a playful one. Okay. Uh, the serious one is called Following Christ by Charles Spurgeon. Mm. Um, it His preaching is fantastic and it sets me straight when I sort of lose my grip on, wait, what am I doing again? Like when I need to be reoriented towards Christ. Uh, the playful one is pretty much any manga <laughs> from, a, from any one of the popular series. Like I love revisiting things from My Hero Academia. I mm. love... Uh, Demon Slayer, I love. I love a bunch of really nifty Japanese comics. So, as you have recommended. Yes, I have. <laughs> I've read some, some Soul Eater, and I've watched more of My Hero Academia, mm. but I need to actually read the manga. The drawing is fantastic. Very good. And that's the big like, scene is very good. And that's mainly the reason why. It's just to marvel at the fact that people hand-drew and like hand-inked a lot of the stuff there. It's impressive. Right. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. That's good. That's good. <laughs> You're going to get on your soapbox. Yeah, I know. Just to while I'm a little here. bit. We'll save it for a sound check. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just talk about manga. <laughs> the only manga I'm uh, interested in is uh, Hayu Mazaki. So. Mm. And, Lovely. Yeah. There you pretty, go. Pretty. I, I honestly, my daughter is adorable, um, but I don't like favorite questions because I never come up with a good answer because mm. I have like 20 that come to mind. Sure. Um, so I, I don't know. I'll just, I mean, like Lord of the Rings, really good books. Yes. Chronicles mm. of Narnia, really good books. Mm. I'll throw an interesting one out there. Um, the book thief is a fascinating book. I've heard book. you talk about that book a lot. Um, fascinating book. One of the only books that has made me cry. Mm. Um, so if, if I had to like give a suggestion of a book to read that isn't like, you know, like a comic book, mm. you know, which, you know, Garfield, Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> go-to's there Love it. Um, fantastic. right uh but if it was like i'm looking for a book to read what would you suggest charles i would suggest the book thief um mm. it's 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 just great but i'll leave it there that's what's up yeah i hmm. i'm trying so the book i enjoyed i don't like i don't think i have a favorite serious book because they all just kind of blend into like stuff that i read for like personal growth or formation so it's like yeah. i just enjoy them for what they yeah. are so i can't really break them there um the book i enjoyed reading the most recently like i, re- I finished reading the martian a while ago yeah which is very very good highly recommend the martian i think yes. i've mentioned on the podcast a couple times um very good book 
I really, really liked reading uh, um, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Mm. Um, I didn't, I listened to most of the Harry Potter books in audiobook, but then a friend gave me the sixth and the seventh once I had finished book five, and I read them both like over a summer. Um, and the, yeah, the sixth Harry Potter book is just really, really fun. Um, but if I'm thinking all time, what do I, what is my go-to books I just consistently enjoy the most? It's the Percy Jackson series. Which I have all of and want to reread, just because it came at a time in high school where I didn't read much. I don't read much now, but in high school especially, a friend just gave me the first one and said, "Oh, you'll enjoy it." And it was like the first time I like devoured a book and just like got through it really quickly. Um, so yeah, probably everything in that series because it, uh, for a very brief time, got me very much into reading. Mm. Um, Fair. So yeah, cool beans. Well, thank you, Aaliyah. Again, <laughs> you at we know you've got a busy schedule and you, you made time. It's a lot of playing to be done. <laughs> you made time to come from across the hall <laughs> to, <laughs> to give us this question. <laughs> so we are getting right back into season seven, which we, oh, what was it? Wandering but not lost? Yes. Wandering, Wandering but, but not, not lost, lost, which we named in real time on our opener. Um, if you haven't listened to the opener already, it's odd that you started with this one, but go back and listen to the opener. Um, but we're talking about, and this is where we really dive into Old Testament accounts of Israel's wandering and how the nation went, like their journey from Egypt to the promised land to see a lot of who God's character, how God's character reveals itself and what it teaches us about embracing seasons of holy wandering in our own lives. People who, so as long as we are on the, work, on the earth, are not home and are trying to embrace um the homestead that we are going to and not just the one that we are currently at. So for this episode, episode 49, we are going to be in Exodus chapter 16, verses 3 to 5, 11 to 21, and 31. So for a greater context for this, read the entire chapter. It gets into a, a lot more detail, but these for our purposes today, this is what we'll be covering. So if you have your Bibles and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. It's been two and a half months since Egypt. Two and a half months since the plagues. Two and a half months since hastily gathering belongings and rushing to join the congregation as we fled the only home we'd ever known and on our way to a new, better land that was said to be flowing with milk and honey. Two and a half months since they reneged on their agreement to let us go peacefully and chased us on chariots to the sea. And two and a half months since that sea opened and as easily as one might open a door and then closed on our enemies. Here we are, two and a half months later, exhausted, uncertain, and above all else, hungry. Maybe, just maybe, things weren't all that bad two and a half months ago. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel, speaking to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was the quail came up at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted there, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. 
And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, and one omer for each person. According to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so, gathered some, gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So, gentlemen, this passage gets into very soon after um, Israel leaves Egypt. This is one chapter after Moses' Moses's song in the Old Testament, where he sings to the Lord, I think Miriam as well, could be wrong, sings a song to the Lord of praise for delivering them from Egypt. So, like we said in the intro, this isn't long after they left. Um, and it's about the Lord meeting the needs of his people, the very practical needs of his people. Um, and so I'm interested for your general thoughts, but also, you know, how your thoughts on like, how do needs vary for a corporate, like formal body of believers to someone who is kind of on their own path of wandering between bodies? My immediate thought is that um, people who are solidly in a church and people who are wandering between bodies and trying to identify what their discipleship looks like and, and how they can grow in a particular place. Um, my immediate answer is that I think there's a point where we both need the same thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I was going to say something very similar. Yeah, like I think two of the things that immediately come to mind are refuge and clarity. Mm. Um, in Jude one twenty two, uh, Jude wrote, have mercy on those who doubt. And so that's a place of refuge. Like, when people are in doubt, they need to be met with mercy, not be seen as some sort of pariah because, mm -hmm. like, hmm. not every doubt is a sign of having an existential crisis. Sometimes well, you just need well. to have an answer, a question answered. Or, or a sin. Or a sin. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah, or a sin, right? Like, so doubt should be met with mercy. Hmm. Um, and the second part of Jude 1, after 22, 23, um, save others by snatching them out of the fire to others, show mercy with fear, hating even... Um, the garment stained by the flesh. And so there's also a need for clarity and not just refuge. So like, again, answer questions. Throughout the entire time that God was meeting Israel in their wandering, it's not as if he went radio silent on them. Yeah. He was clearly giving them provision and he was also speaking um, through their leaders. And right. so mm. like if your leadership suddenly shuts down because you have questions or if you're suddenly met with distance that is actually not a reflection of God's character. Mm. And so the church's goal, whether they meet someone who is just passing by or they're dealing with a member, should always be to be a place of refuge and be a place where clarity can be given. Mm. I like that. And something I would not have thought about. Yeah. yeah, this is very different from the one I got from the passage, yeah. but that's yeah. the wonderful thing about conversations yeah. with other <laughs> brothers and sisters. This is yeah. great. This is why we record them. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Um, so... Amen. Um, yeah, I my thoughts went a little different direction. Sure, sure. Um, just through this, again, I would encourage people like to read the exact opposite. We need calamity and ambiguity. <laughs> That's what I need. In my 
chaos <laughs> and confusion. There we go. <laughs> this um, is why you listen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, is a, an encouragement for everyone to read the the entire chapter because there's a lot in there. I, I'm, we're starting from the same place, Eli, because I think for the individual and the church, the answer is the same. Um, it just kind of plays out differently. But when I read this passage, and I think very often we hear about the manna being the daily bread, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that is, um, and I equate with it to like, the, uh, give us this day our daily bread from the Lord's Prayer. That's the that's what the body and an individual needs the mm-hmm. daily grace and provision that comes from the Lord and can only come from the Lord right clearly that was a miracle that wasn't you know that wasn't just there in the desert mm-hmm. it was from the Lord and it was for the day um, and I think just thinking about my own testimony I've shared we've shared about this on the podcast but like uh, prior to purchasing this home it was a very desert like season for mm-hmm. me. Um, in both like personal life, spiritual life, like I got COVID, I ruptured my Achilles. We searched for a home for 18 months. It just, I was in the desert mm-hmm. and literally, uh, I don't remember if I've said this on the podcast before or not, but the only prayer that I could pray often in the midst of this turbulence, in the midst of this desert was give me the day da- give me this day, my daily bread just to get through the day because mm-hmm. and that's all i had strength to to ask for and i feel like that was okay yeah like you know you know the lord wasn't like why aren't you praying more because that's all i had to give mm-hmm. i just need you lord and that's all i can pray and i feel like this is something that you know hopefully that's not where we are at all times but we see that in scripture here the lord provides the daily bread the manna the provision that we need um, and we see in uh, verse 18, but when they measured it with an omar, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. So there was instructions on how much to gather, mm-hmm. but regardless of how much someone actually gathered, they had it um, enough for the day. And and I was t- I took away like, if we seek the Lord for daily provision, He is always going to provide what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need uh, to rely on that um, every day. For me, like in that season, that's all I could do. Yeah. Um, now it's a little bit more. You know, I can stretch that out and and do more than just like just give me the grace to get through like this next thirty minutes. I'm exactly you know I'm exhausted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, speaking to that, the in in terms of addressing need. Um, there needs to be a grace for vulnerability, but also open-mindedness. Because I think that, um, you know, part of it is with me and I think in our own personal testimonies, there's a sense of, you know, admitting when there is a need. And sometimes that's a hump to get over. Yeah. Uh, There's a sense of, you know, it's not, sometimes there are societal pressures to that. Uh, It gets caught up in how it is people are ministered to, but there's sometimes a sense of, I don't want to admit when, I have needs that I can't myself uh, fulfill. Um, But the Lord is honored when we bring those to him. And so with uh, Israel, like we joked months ago, or maybe a year ago at this point, the idea that they needed food, knew they needed food, but instead of trusting that the Lord would provide food, 
complained that they didn't have food. And God's like, his response is one of like anger, probably for being complained at, but also because it's like, did you think I couldn't do it? Yeah. Like, did you, did you think that I was just going to kind of let you starve? Like you're my kids. Yeah. And so I think it's imperative whether, um, you know, it's a, a church with very tangible needs as it pertains to the body or just an individual, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that the Lord is kind of like he's not turned off by doubt. He's not turned off by the vulnerability of saying, I actually need something right now, or I need this right now, um, and won't turn that away. In fact, it's recognizing that in bringing that to him, you're acknowledging he can do it. Amen. Amen. And like the Lord meets us in that and just kind of when we, when we begin to see that he is as advertised, like, we then are able to walk in that truth a lot more. Kind of we said in the last episode yeah. of like believing that what he, what Jesus did on the cross is for real yeah. and the home that he's prepared for us is for real. The Lord's ability to meet our needs is real. And yeah. I think that um, the vulnerability to do that is, is important, but also the open-mindedness. Like I thought they, Israel says specifically like, you know, in Egypt, we had pots of meat that we would hang out next to. Um, you were also slave. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think that's the thing. And it's going to get into the next um, question I, want, I was going to ask. But this idea that admitting that we have a need to the Lord is the first step. The second step is being prepared for him to maybe answer in a way that we do not expect. Right. Yes. Right. And like Amen. fill that need in a way that like this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. Like for, for Charles, it was like I would have liked to have been in a house a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah. we were in this desert period of wandering and the Lord <laughs> met me here to like form you in the ways that he did through it not the way you would have wanted to do it but you all have come so far through it like you personally have like talked about your encounters with the lord in a way that's like has a depth that like without that experience like wouldn't realize like i've been through um dark seasons where it's like wouldn't have wanted to learn that lesson that way but i'm a much better person and i trust the lord so much more now that it happened and so i think there's a in addressing our needs we need to also address the need to not have it go our way and to trust that however it does shake out is exactly what the lord in his sovereignty um that he deems like that is what you need the most yeah and we need to be satisfied with that yeah i that's one of the other things i have um just like we need to be obedient to the lord even if he says something that we don't understand Mm -hmm. like verse 27 they go out on the seventh day and they, some of them go out on some day and try to gather the manna. Yep. And and they're like, where is it? Yeah. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep up with instructions? Like, I told you what was going to happen. Yeah. I was very clear. It was very clear. <laughs> literally and said, don't go out. Don't go on the seventh Sabbath. day. <laughs> and so people, like, that doesn't make sense. Right. But, like, six days, is why sure. isn't there on the seventh? Right. Well, if you listen to the Lord, like, it doesn't make human logical sense, but the Lord said it. Right. Because and he said, it will be enough. Because right. it will be enough. Yeah. And so we're just stubborn and yeah. we don't listen yeah. and i think that goes to the op- what we need is open-mindedness right. because the lord said something right. either you weren't paying attention that's on you right. or you ignored the lord that's also on you <laughs> like come on now um so i think that's that's thing also just real quick just yeah. this is really funny i don't know what other bible say, translations yeah. say um but they complain about not having uh, food, right? And then my translation said, then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven <laughs> yeah. for you and each day. You know, like, yeah. I'm going to rain bread on you. Yeah. <laughs> you think you can't you know, you hungry? I'm going to rain bread on you. It's, yeah. I do love that. Yes. 
So, like, I think one of the things I love about this particular passage and this narrative is the fact that God will put us in such a desperate place sometimes so that we have no choice but to see his qualities. Mm. Like, oh, you thought you were fine eating that food as slaves? Yeah. I'm going to show you what it's like to eat food in freedom from me. Mm-hmm. Like, you thought that Egyptian meat was tasty? Yeah. I have quail <laughs> and bread from heaven. All of this. Heavenly bread. You've never, you can't make this. I own the recipe. You can't touch it. <laughs> Save your sourdough starters. <laughs> They will never equate. But like, it's God is so much about he is so much about His glory because He knows that He is worthy of our attention. Mm. Like God has never once doubted, "Am I good? Enough? Like, am I worthy to be seen?" He's like, "No, of course I am." And so when you see me, you like I will be glorified, and it will be for your benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, just just the overarching plug for the story is just that. There's so much for Christians to resonate with in the story of Israel being freed from their slavery because, like, Christians, to be disciples of Jesus is to be freed from slavery to sin. Mm. Um, And so oftentimes there's going to be a a period of, Lord, how do I readjust to this new free life? And maybe that's the rest of your life. It's just like, how do I live as a disciple, right? How do I answer that question? But it's constantly the Lord saying, if you walk with me, there will be times where you're going to wander. But there's also going to be times where you realize this is exactly the God I serve. Mm. Like these are my qualities. This is what I'm trying to show you. And I need to re- and I I need to yank you out of the life of sin and that norm that you established in order for you to see me. Like God is is the light in our darkness, and so be brought into light. Like don't sit and fester in 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 a sinful life. Don't like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to yank you out of that. Mm. Um, and yeah, you're wandering is to see God more clearly. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sorry. You have questions for us, so. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that was good. I like the idea of, like, not growing comfort with the food you ate as slaves. Yeah. And, like, like yearning for something new, not just in freedom, but, like, the new life that that freedom yeah. brings, even if it's different than what you're used to. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I dig that. So I, I, I kind of wanted to get into, like, you know, I'm I, as I read this, I have a image of a kid who like doesn't get their way on something and is like no 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 but like mom dad like i need this and like his parents are like well no you don't like i know you don't because like i'm more aware of life life than you are <laughs> so i guess like do are there un like do we recognize any like unbiblical needs that sometimes we complain to god with either from an individual level or from a corporate level as a body like the things that maybe there's good in them but we assign too much value to them is like oh we need this when maybe the lord's answer is well no or not yet is it does anything like that come to mind i mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i think this is one of the most pervasive pitfalls in my own discipleship which is uh having expectations that are not tempered with truth Mm. like i can i mean i've spent years praying for stuff that god's like i mean my answer was no (laughs) um and and doubt it in that because i didn't receive what i prayed for somehow doubting god's ability to perform in my life or to, or to touch me in my life and like one of them most specifically was like lord i don't want to be tempted ever again with anything yeah and there's just no verse <laughs> that that ever tells us that being a christian will ever keep you from being tempted right what first corinthians ten thirteen says is no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind so one there's an encouragement that you are not unique in being in being broken and being fallen or being lured by wayward affections. Mm. 
And it continues, and God is faithful. So even when we're not, he is. Mm. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so in uh, freedom from spiritual slavery to sin, I've been given a choice to say, I will leave this behind. Mm. And so oftentimes, the what God gives me is a way of escape. What I oftentimes think I need is to never be tempted again. Mm. And God's mm. like, nope. <laughs> I'm just going to give you the way of escape right? because I want you to choose me. I want you to love me back. Mm-hmm. I want your obedience to be your affection for me. So choose that. Mm. Um, and that actually speaks far greater volumes of my discipleship, choosing God over myself than never being tempted like some reprogrammed robot ever would. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Absolutely. I th- for, I resonate <clears throat> with that a lot. Um, I think so I have a, personal one and then like a corporate one i think sometimes there's this sense of a need of like oh i just like i just need a sign like particularly in areas of discernment um so being in a place where you know as we opened with a lot of um christians are rightfully so um deconstructing their faith and like unpacking uh challenging uh memories or experiences and they're trying to figure out who god is in that and whether that's deconstructing that or just kind of making a decision, sometimes there's a sense of, well, I just need God to give me a sign. And I need the Lord to just kind of tell me this is exactly what you should do. <laughs> you should leave this church and it's like in plain speak, or you should go to this church or you should try this. And I think that it just gets into a bit of like the character that is formed through persistent wandering with God mm. and not being too at home ever, really. Mm is knowing that that's one that to me at least that doesn't usually happen um but also it's um realizing that the lord kind of forms the ability to make those decisions through that process and through the process of wandering and like being vulnerable the lord will kind of give you more of an idea of who he is give you more of an idea of who you are and then out of that equip you and empower you to make those kinds of decisions with confidence um and this is i i might have mentioned it here as a friend said to me years ago when i was trying to make a decision about like what i was going to do for like where i was going to work for a summer which like seems really quaint now that i'm like 29 and like have so many other things to think about um but he i think i, I said something to this i just need god to tell me what he wants me to do and he just looked at me he's like i don't think i don't think god's gonna like make it that easy for you i think he i think he gave you like uh, a mind to reason and like to think through these things and wants you to do that because he wants you to be mature in him. Mm. Um, And so I think the looking for a sign, looking for an answer sometimes tries to bypass that process that God values of the wandering and just get to the end goal. And like we led from our last episode with, no, God cares about the process. He cares about those moments when you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I just need to cry out to the Lord. He Mm. sees um the like the tears that we cry and like not really being sure what else to do um and so i think addressing that like god doesn't owe us like those kind of answers in the way that we want them um frees us to know that in him growing us towards spiritual maturity um gives us the grace to make those kinds of decisions out of a love for him and not just a robotic i'm just going to do this yeah um so i think that's a, a personal one for me and so uh, as far as I, I think corporately, I think sometimes, uh, institutions get caught up with the, how to put this, there can be like different security nets 
in ministries and things that we think are helpful, which are, but sometimes can take an improper perspective. So it's like, okay, we want, um, and again, things need to be discerned carefully, but sometimes we go, well, we need our like building to be of a certain standard. We need our, um, I, I don't know bells and whistles like we need I'm, i'll be honest i'm mostly channeling the rise and fall of mars hill and the things that went wrong with that church great podcast listen to it um but like we need our like social media team to be this we need like these like flashy things that like, bring people in the door and sometimes we sacrifice just like true discipleship on the altar of things that look good yeah um and so i think addressing needs as a church uh needs to be tethered to like well if we're called to be a city on a hill how do we best do that um, and how do we do that in a way that's measured and not just for excess? Because those things, again, going back to our first point, make us feel comfortable. This might just be a small thing. And I don't know how uh, corporate it might be. But sometimes, like recently, I've been like, I want this particular gift of the spirit. Mm-hmm. I want to grow this. And I think like sometimes people can be like, we need um, people with these gifts to mm-hmm. perform these roles. Yes. Um, and I don't see them like we got to go out and get them. Mm -hmm. Um, or I want to grow in this area. Like, why am I not like Jarrell? Why am I not like this person that I, that I, you know, he's got a lot of gifts for speaking. Why don't I have that? I'm going to seek after that. And I think sometimes it's because we're not given that particular gift and we're not given that particular skill because it's somewhere else in the body of Christ. Mm. <clears throat> it's somewhere else corporately. Well, well. And if we are to be a body, then we need that other brother or sister who has that thing that we desire yes. in order mm. to be a unified body, Amen. in well. order mm. to build, you know, to achieve the objective yeah. in this ministry team. Um, we need a pastor to like say, I don't have this, but who in my body, who in my congregation does, right. or who can even in the midst of broken human beings mm-hmm. can learn this skill. Can we grow yeah. in that fruit, in that gift? Mm-hmm. Um, where might I have a dysfunction that I see? Okay. I'm not going to be able to accomplish this thing, but what brother, what sister in my church among my friends can, is, does the Lord has the Lord given that has a natural ability for that? Or I is like, has the propensity to be able to grow into that and to learn that. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, I have to have it all. I have to yeah. have it all. Yeah. Or like yeah. not, or looking over the brother and sister in front of you yeah. um, and just seeing their brokenness mm-hmm. or their lack and mm-hmm. saying, well, actually the solution is the body of Christ. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really good point, especially for people who find themselves not connected to a formal body in yep. a state of kind of wandering because there is that temptation of, especially if there's like pain associated with a body, I think there's this temptation of like, why well, can I can just be fine on my own? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you shouldn't be in a place where people are engaging in like spiritual neglect sure. or abuse or just like indifference. But whether or not you are connected to a church or the church you like was your home church or whatever, you do need the body. Yes. And agreed. I think I think it's a really important point because mm-hmm. there there is not like Christianity is not something that's done on an island right um and there's a sense of you know get with the people like find the people who you can um open up to find the people who like engage you in your vulnerability find the people who uh help you to feel refuge and clarity but don't isolate yourself 
in such a sense that says, oh, it's fine. I'll do this on my own. I'll just read my Bible on my own and yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. Read your Bible, but also do so with people who will, because of the things that, you know, ways that they are gifted that maybe you're not, because mm. of the ways that we are designed to need each other, mm. will complement that and will hold you up. I think it's just an important aside from that point of like, you do need people. You need a body. Maybe it look different than what you're used to, but you need a body. Yeah, to highlight, uh, to piggyback on both of those, is like, I think there's this draw, I don't know whether it's just in the world or in the American churches in general, to be heroes of the faith, when really you're supposed to be servants to Christ, and I'll suss that out, just like, God is not just our savior, but he's also our Lord, which means he's our master, we take direction from him, and I think a lot of times, or like, I think a lot of times we want a certain skill to be developed in us. And he's like, but that's not what I've called you to. That's not the be- mm. that's not actually the obedience I'm looking for. Mm. I don't need you to stand up on a stage and sing beautifully all the time. I I I might need you to sit in the crowd and, and help the person sitting next to you. Like like there are time there are very uh sort of unimpressive forms of service <laughs> that we need to that we need to be involved yeah, not in. Not glamorous. Not just... glamorous at all. And I think it and I think as we go through an old testament story, as a, an old testament history the allure is like well look at moses he was great cool i'm glad you're impressed with moses also not great he murdered a dude like there are tons of people in scripture who are just not whose resumes are not impressive and they don't need to be it's about an extraordinary god working through very ordinary people that's what scripture is about um and and how he saves those ordinary people and makes use of them despite themselves and so like rather than thinking of your uh, discipleship as something that needs to be impressive Trying to figure out, okay, what, or trying to figure out, like, what's what's the next ministry I'm going to lead, and what's what's my next big move. Try and just think small. What did God tell you to do today? Mm. Like, what is the commands that you need to follow? Mm. What are the temptations you need to escape from? What are who needs have, your help? Right who now? needs your help? What have you prayed today? Did you read scripture today? Like little mm-hmm. things. And if you and if you, what is the, again? My God, I can remember some verses and I forget others. <laughs> what like what's the one we're like? Much is given to you. Oh much, yeah, like much Too will be asked of you. Given, much is expected. Thank you. And so, like somewhere in the gospel, somewhere in the gospel. <laughs> but like, like, but that's the point, right? Like, why would God trust you with a massive ministry if you're on? If you, if common obedience is not something that you've learned. Mm. I mean, that's what God desires. Yeah, he does. He's not gonna make you a showstopper. And then he desires you. And then he uh, gives us. Our daily bread, right. our manna, to, do, to right. do that. To do that. Absolutely. To do that. I think this is a much bigger point on, I think, like just generally the American church. I think that it's given rise to a lot of, as we said in the last episode, elements of the world and culture that seep into the church that aren't biblical. I think that the American church believes that it needs societal privilege in order to persist. Sure. And it's like, because one of those things, like, I hear people say things like, oh, you know, religious freedom is under attack. It's like, yeah, it is. So? But, like, it was in Acts. Sure. And, and I'm not, I'm not like, turning up my nose at the fact that that's not a serious thing. Like, that's a, a scary world to live in. It's a scary world to bring kids into. But um, I think that for a long time, because of a lot of other systems, Christianity has been, in some ways a very privileged religion because it has often been one associated with people in society who are in American society who are also privileged, um, namely largely old white men. I think for a long time, people have seen that in the fact that like, if someone says like, you know, this like 
political candidate is a Christian. They don't question it. It's like, oh, okay, great. I can resonate with that because that's what I'm used to seeing people in power as being. Um, but like I think about with um, uh, Obama, it was like, oh, he's a Muslim. And it was like a big deal because like the idea of being a Christian is something people are at least vaguely um, resonant with. And it just had allowed for this place of privilege where the church was allowed to be in positions of authority, whether they used them appropriately or not. Mm. And I think that, you know, people panic in the church today when that authority is not recognized or when that privilege is being lessened. And there are some like pretty dire, uh, some pretty dire um, implications of that. But I think we need to stop acting like we need to be comfortable in the world in order for the church to continue in its work because it never really has been. Like, um, the people we're reading about now wandered the desert for 40 years and most of them didn't make it out. Um, The uh, church in the Old Testament was in and out of, like, captivity to stronger nations because of a lack of faithfulness. Um, The church, like I said at the beginning of Acts, was under immense oppression from Rome. And so I don't, I think that, you know, the Lord called us to recognize that, you know, if we are his servants and he is the master, what they did to him, they will, he, they will do to us. And there has to be this sense of when we prioritize our own privilege and social standing over the things we actually were called to, namely the way that we uh, defend, as we're going to get into the next episode, the rights of, and dignity of the poor and the oppressed. When we sideline those things, but we continue to push forward with values that are not biblical because it aligns us with like political power or social like privilege, mm-hmm. we're doing a disservice to the gospel. And we say that we, we want a stacked deck. And it's like we, we want to be completely embraced by society, and that's when the church is at its best. And that's just never been true. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a part of the American church at, at large that needs to separate what social privilege, political power and just general acceptance from society, those need to go to one side and we need to align ourselves more with like, but am I advocating with fidelity for the things that God has told me matter most to him? Because those two get mixed and I think that we do a huge disservice, we'll get into the next uh, episode, we'll do a huge disservice to a lot of those issues when we're like, yeah, but I need to be comfortable. Mm. I need to be in power. And if if we're not, then that's the wrong thing. Like, Mm. never have been shouldn't be um so let's align ourselves with you know the grace that the lord gives us for those seasons and also just historically god has done so much for in spreading his own gospel in yeah. scattering the church yeah like and over, over and over and over and over again like he's you know, anytime that the church grows big and then faces persecution they scatter yeah. and then more churches pop up like the gospel is spread because god's like well, i'm just gonna disperse you yeah. <laughs> and often it's because like because you started caring about things that weren't correct like or the, you started getting super ingrained in the cultures yep. where you were sitting move yeah the like the pro like in micah and in amos it's over and over and again like you guys have gotten rich yep. you've gotten comfortable yep. you neglected the poor yep. you're gonna get routed and the remnant will bring about what god has called us yep. to do and i think that like what we need is a body collectively is to recognize we weren't promised power correct and if anything have had it stripped away like gideon's army was reduced to 300, 300. for that reason <laughs> for that of reason. like you got all this stuff yep. i want to show you again and again and again that i've never required that yes awesome well that will lead well into 
our next episode when we talk about justice for the poor and the oppressed. But wonderful discussion as always, gentlemen. That is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every other Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus content. We'll talk to you soon here at the well.